Hello, Geo members and listeners. My name is Abhishek Kodamogula, and I am co-hosting this episode with Chelsea Birchmeyer. And this is the After Bargaining Podcast, a podcast on the ongoing bargaining between the GEO, that's the Graduate Employees Organization, and the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. I'm joined today with Assam and Kadla, the lead negotiators of the bargaining session that took place today on Thursday, the 1st of December, 2022. This is a celebratory podcast because today's 18th bargaining session was a victory for GEO. We came with hundreds of members who rallied and packed the room and shared testimonials on their experiences with, with discrimination and the English proficiency exam. We'll hear more from Carla and Isam on how after nine months of bargaining, we finally received a proposal from admin on non-discrimination and recognition that was taken out from their unfair take it or leave it proposal. Like after every bargaining session, the bargaining team sends an email with a textual summary of the session. These podcast episodes provide more details and voice to the lead negotiators to bring up various pressing issues from the session and what members can do to fight for a better contract. We are in a moment of heightened labor activity. Cornell University's Labor Action Tracker identified 288 strikes in 2022 as of September this year. Currently, 48,000 academic workers are on strike at University of California. Meanwhile, the University of Illinois system... As Carla Nassam pointed out at the rally today, has forced workers to strike or pass strike authorizations over 25 times since 2009 due to their bad faith bargaining tactics. This session, we've been focusing tremendously on rallying graduate workers in the GEO to come to our actions and bargaining sessions to show the administration that they are doing injustice, not just to a minority of graduate workers, but are refusing to provide us a fair contract with all of the pillars our members indicated are important to them. Access and justice, health and safety, wages and waivers. In spite of admin's unfair bargaining, aiming to keep us from a fair contract, we showed university administration our power, and we demonstrated the clear fact that the university works because we do. All right, so Carla and Asam, <laughs> tell us more about what happened at the rally in session. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much, Abby and Chelsea. Abby, really great introduction and, and work uh, in this podcast episode, because usually... Isam is the one that hosts this, and Isam is now was uh, lead negotiator with me in this session. And again, I mean, I can't, we can't express how happy and joyful we are. I mean, I have made, I don't know how many happy dances and iterations of happy dances over the last uh, two hours after the session. We had over approximately 100 to 140 attendees throughout. And as you pointed out, Chelsea and Abby, it was a very... Um, joyful session because for the first time in those months, uh, particularly eight months, and in the this last sem this semester from August to now, we managed to show the university that we control the bargaining room, that we are the ones that have the power, and that as our chant very well said, a proposal that we won't take is one that is in bad faith. And what we managed to do today with our power was to force the university to take out articles. So when we say articles, like particular sections of the contract, and instead of giving it as a take-it-or-leave-it basis, even with um, what we don't want in wages and healthcare, the university took away um, those articles regarding non-discrimination in the recognition section of our contract so we can move towards uh, agreements in the very, very near future. So yeah, it was a very, very important session indeed. So another question we had was on Wednesday, GEO filed something called an unfair labor practice and grievance. Could you tell us a bit more about what that is and how that process is going? Yes, so um, an unfair labor practice was filed, as you said, Abby, on Wednesday, which basically means a charge that we file against the administration whenever they're breaking labor law, which, as Chelsea said, they have done that 
several, several times with their record against labor unions on campus. Um, and as maybe we have said at times in this um, podcast, at the beginning of the semester, 200 graduate workers, several of them all teaching assistants or graduate assistants, received a significant pay in um, their offer letter after they had signed an initial offer letter with a different salary back in the summer. And then the university decided to unilaterally um, take away that 3 or 4% of their um, additional um, changes in salary for the coming year. And the university basically used bargaining as an excuse, quote unquote, to not honor um, those salaries. We basically told the administration that is completely incorrect that if, like, the contract, um, the university has always been able to give races higher and than the minimum, and until the contract, um, even though the contract expires, is still in effect, so the agreement needs to be honored. Um, and we decided to tell the administration that we're not going to take that uh, and that we're going to build up heat in the bargaining room and outside the bargaining room. Yeah, uh, thanks, uh, Avi and uh, Chelsea, for, uh, you know, stepping in. Um, so uh, this unfair labor practice came at a time where obviously there is a massive inflation, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so imagine that you're a graduate worker that was just hired or, you know, you rehired again and you got a contract that says you're going to be making this much and then three weeks later into your employment, right, um, and you're working, they, you get another letter that says you have to sign it today or you won't get paid. And this letter is a reduced paycheck. This is your paycheck is being cut dramatically. Um, and they tell you you have to do that now and you won't get paid at all. And so, and the, why did they make this mistake, quote unquote, is that uh, because our contract expired roughly uh, three months ago on the 15th of August, um, they're saying that any, anything that used to happen before every year, the annual increases and so forth, yes, we get that from the 2017 to 2022. Right now, because the contract expired, we're not going to give any raises. But that never stopped the university or different departments from giving graduate workers something above the minimum wage, right? And so this is something that they did. They gave a m above minimum wage, and then they took it back. And so this is very uh, also coercive, manipulative, and, uh, and then the, the, the fear of retaliation for those who file a grievance. So we said, no, this is a massive uh, massive uh, discriminatory thing because it's also um, uh, people outside of our bargaining unit. Uh, so uh, research assistants and uh, professional graduate assistants, PGAs, they got uh, increases. So it's kind of uh, giving preferential treatments to people who are not covered by the union uh, as opposed to people who are, uh, you know, part of the bargaining unit. So it's uh, – and we have filed that on Wednesday. And this is just to show that we have a lot of weapons um, uh, that to show that the union has power and we are strategically using them at this juncture to make the administration move and secede and listen to our demands. So, yeah. Yeah, you brought up ASAM, like the inflation and um, how members are really frustrated and agitated right now. And I definitely felt that at the session too. And one of the ways that our members express that is through testimonials. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, the testimonials we heard from members at, at the session? and how those went. So we, um, last night, so uh, Wednesday night, uh, Carla and I, we spent time organizing uh, who's gonna give what testimonials, and these testimonials were, the idea behind them is that we have proposed something, a contract, and then the administration constantly says, oh, these are overly burdensome, cost prohibitive, we don't see the impertinence of this, why don't you just focus on bread and butter, meaning wages and healthcare, and that's it. And we're saying that, no, we have 
members who can testify and show that how this change in policy or change in the contract language would be very beneficial for them in terms of saving them money and time and everything, but also saves the university money. Um, and so uh, the one that we focused on is the, the notorious API, uh, English proficiency interview. And this is the idea if you come from a third world country that's not white, and then you have spoken English all your life because it's a, colonial con uh, a colonized country, um, you still uh, need to provide them with English proficiency by TOEFL and so forth, and you can listen to other episodes to explain that. So we had very, very, very powerful testimonies. And then we also had uh, somebody from, uh, from another thing that we're fighting for, which is protected category that uh, Carla can speak to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we, had, we actually had seven testimonials lined up, <laughs> but we managed to meet our, our goal of forcing the university to unpackage their proposal, and so we are at some point going to discuss those testimonials. But as Esam um, said, we had a parent that talked about how difficult it is to basically um, arrange her different responsibilities of being both a parent and um, a graduate worker, and how specifically difficult it was um, for her, like during her pregnancy, starting graduate school, not being able to have um, the minimal resources for her to be to be actually a parent and a graduate worker. Um, unfortunately, the university is still not considering parental status a protected category. I mean, it's not surprising the university doesn't even have statistics about how many graduate workers are even parents. But again, um, what we showed today was that. Our power is one of the most important things that we do, and that power is uh, materialized with the solidarity that we have amongst each other. And when that solidarity shows up in numbers, it could potentially show things that we thought were very difficult or unimaginable. I mean, if you look at the podcast a couple of months ago, we constantly said the university is bringing us a package proposal. The university is bringing us a package proposal. Now take your leader proposal. And today we showed that because we have power, we can make the university change um, their opinion and their thoughts towards our side too. If I may just uh, very briefly, um, there's somebody who was afraid of retaliation um, who wrote uh, his testimony and asked me to read it during the bargaining session. And this, this shows how it's not this idea, again, I wanted to say during the, the session, that we're, Carla and I, like anti-imperialist, you know, uh, people who obviously contest this Western hegemony in, in so many ways, but it's not just me and Carla are being uh, throwing these, uh, you know, anti-imperialist slogans about language proficiency and so forth. This is, has material impact on so many people. So here's, here's what this person says. My name is Triple X, so this is anonymization, and I'm a Nigerian PhD student my second year. As you might be aware, Nigeria was brutally colonized by the British Empire. Growing in Nigeria, all of my schooling was in English. Yes, I speak other languages, but English has always been my primary language of instruction throughout my education. This is a national standard in my country. As a Nigerian student where English has been our primary language of instruction, the graduate college pro, uh, waived submission of standardized tests such as TOEFL or IELTS when I applied to IUC. But when I applied to become a teacher assistant TA for one of the positions, I was asked to show my English proficiency. This seems deceitful because I feel like I've been admitted through two different processes. I was told to enroll uh, for the EPI, the English proficiency interview. 
Passing that will fulfill the English proficiency requirement, or I had to present the TOEFL or IELTS score. I feel deceived and disappointed. So, with all confidence, I went for the interview to learn that my English, which I have spoken for many years of my life, is not good enough. So this person is 37 years old. Right? So he said, it's not his English, he learned from that EPI, right? not good enough. So I passed the interview with a conditional pass. I had to take a semester-long class on how to speak English and communicate to my students. Even if this was the case that my English is incomprehensible, what can one semester do for my English? Not only is this dehumanizing, but it's also an international division of humanity, where the people of the global south can't speak English, while, the global, uh, the, while people of the global north can, where white speakers of English are not questioned if their English is good enough. The question remains, why ask for English proficiency again after waiving it during application? Let's think through the time and cost implications. I hope that the university agrees to remove this bias and ahistorical policy that does not recognize the long-lasting impact of colonialism. Please show us the equity that we all advocate for. Thank you. So this was from one of uh, graduate students um, who just, this is, you know, just uh, the tip of the iceberg of the many, many, many testimonials mm -hmm. that we have, a, you know, had today planned to, to, to share. But uh, this was the shortest one, and you know, I only usually have 20 minutes, so that's why we chose it. Yeah. Um, thank you for telling us about those testimonials and for sharing all of this. And in, in light of all of the powerful testimonials we were giving to admin, I'm wondering now a, a comment you made, Carlo, about this uh, package proposal. So on previous episodes, you've probably heard our frustration that up until now, admin has provided all of their proposals in these take-it-or-leave-it package proposal formats, and they've refused to pull items out of those all-or-nothing packages to reach an agreement with us. But today, we also received a package, but it was in a very different format. So what was the package that had been provided us? Could you tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, so we, uh, the, the administration said that we'd be willing to reach an agreement on two specific articles, recognition and non-discrimination. The non-discrimination clause is something that um, our members, when we surveyed them back in 2021, over 80% said that non-discrimination additional protections was very important. Um, our proposal had different additional protected categories, such as union affiliation, parental status. Um, it allowed uh, the graduate worker to choose between the Office of Access and Equity or the grievance procedure uh, to pursue a grievance and uh, pursuing a clarification that the university wanted um, more specific language on if the graduate worker were to proceed the grievance procedure, which is a much more expedited and efficient process in the Office of Access and Equity, we add a, additional provisions for the graduate worker to communicate that decision of which procedure to use, along with uh, we accepted several of the definitions of the university based on the campus administrative manual on what consists on harassment, what consists on discrimination. So that's at large um, their proposal. Uh, one very interesting thing that happened at the beginning of the session was that they brought in the people from the Office of Access and Equity, uh, two workers, uh, two higher-ups in that office. And to our surprise, Abby and Chelsea, uh, because they said that they were coming in but they didn't tell us when, and our um, members go first because our members are not getting paid to be here. They have, as, as Sam said, labs, classes, uh, assignments, other commitments. These people actually get paid in the good bucks to do this work. 
Um, we decided that they wanted to, we needed them to listen to our testimonials first, and then we will go to their questions. But Abby, they literally left <laughs> the session uh, way before we were ending. And the university wants these people that are not even willing to listen testimonials of all discrimination that our members receive to go through their process, which takes uh, several months, if not even years, to resolve issues that our members do care about. Uh, but again, they're right. They have their best. They have um, uh, our best interest at heart, right? Asa, that's what um, Sharon from the um, office of uh, also um, associate. A higher up of HR said, um, and we know that's completely false, right? So we hope to see in the next couple of bargaining sessions, particularly one that we have on December 15th, uh, we hope to see some uh, movement from the administration on, on that regard. And, and there's also one thing that I just loved about today's session um, with the attendance from the stewards and everything, um, and also the rank and file members, is that um, as we went into caucus, we, the bargaining team, were discussing things with all union members, and then at the same time, we went into these small kind of breakout rooms, right, uh, but small circles, and everybody was discussing things. And then we um, decided to provide them with a, uh, provide the university uh, with a proposal, right? And, and so, wait, so we have to provide them a proposal during the session? Yes, because this is how hard we have been working, uh, sleep deprived and so forth. But uh, yeah, and, and, and shout out to Sam and, and Preeti for dealing with a printer uh, in the middle of the session um, and to actually print stuff on time to, so for the, for, for the administration to come back and provide them with a proposal. And so we provided them, we answered questions, and then uh, the administration went on their own caucus. And then uh, they actually came back with a proposal um, and the proposal on the green sheet, essentially, do you want to talk about that, Carla, just very briefly, the main articles, the main highlights? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. We, we mentioned the main highlights, like the recognition and the non-discrimination section. I guess one thing we want to, again, um, once again reiterate is the administration um, once again claims that, for example, the English proficiency requirements is a pre-employment condition, that um, they're not supposed, they're not obligated to negotiate with us but they are trying to do so in some interesting uh, manner. But what we try to um, present today connecting non-discrimination with that issue is that we believe that the English proficiency um, policy as this graduate worker from Nigeria Express is pretty much blatantly racist um, and it discriminates people based on their color, ethnicity, race, and national origin, which are protected categories. And once again, I mean, we prove, and even our members said that, that we have power. And power can do many amazing things for us and for us transforming our working conditions. And, uh, yeah, one last thing about their, uh, their proposal. Yes, it did come in a package, but, you know, other packages that they have given us, they were comprehensive, so they included all, all the articles. So including wages and everything. This was the first package that we received that's not comprehensive. Yes. Right. And so this is this is <laughs> like we take a moment and we we inhale the, the breeze <laughs> of eu euphoria and the f a little bit of like victory. But this is just one small, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a milestone that we have yes. achieved uh, through this collective effort of rallying for an hour while it's minus 10 Celsius. Celsius. I use Celsius. I don't <laughs> use Imperial because of imperialism, but, uh, but it's also like doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but, and then, yeah, we went inside, and there was just like a big attendance, and the coolest part, they usually, we asked for 80 chairs inside every bargaining session. We did not have enough chairs this yeah. time. So, yeah. Yeah. And of course,
course, shout out to the building and service workers for helping us out um, last minute on getting those additional shares. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, today was just very uh, beautiful day. The structure from you know the presidents Carla and Machiqueta, and then people and officers and the BT uh, bargaining team. Uh, it was just great collective effort from everybody, um, and so we're very just proud to share uh, this victorious moment, even though it's small, uh, but still. Wow, so you have described a very powerful session today. Um, <laughs> uh, paint a little bit more of a picture for us. What was the energy of the membership from the, the rally to the session and after the session? And how are you feeling? How are you feeling after this, this victorious moment? Yeah, I mean, it was freezing cold outside, <laughs> as many of you uh, remember, but we had a very, very powerful rally. Like our members, again, they showed one of the beautiful things about organizing is that you show your rage but you also use your rage and your disappointment because I mean, showing like members that have been at least once or twice and have seen the disrespect from the administration. I mean, you get tired from that disrespect, right? Um, and like, it was very beautiful to see how that rage and that disappointment becomes power when we allow ourselves um, for that. When we think about, you know, dialectics, right? We allow that power, that rage to become um, solidarity and power, right? That we're showing up for our community, we're showing up for ourselves and for our better working conditions. So despite uh, the weather, we decided to show that power. Um, we came inside and as, as, Esam, as Esam said, we didn't have enough um, shares for people. Um, it, is, it is always a good sign when Rob is very upset when he comes to a session, because again, he knows uh, that we have power and he gets upset with that as well. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like you just had to be there <laughs> to, to see it. And I know that our comms, our amazing comms committee did a really good job with pictures are going to be posting those in social media very soon, but this is something that you can do. Literally every single person that called and texted someone, every single person that presented a testimonial, all the stewards that announced it in their department, everyone made possible this collective victory, which is one of the most beautiful things when you do this work, because yeah, we all celebrate our individual achievements, right? When we publish a paper, when we did this conference that was very important, when we win this grant. But there's something very beautiful when we do something that benefits absolutely everyone and that absolutely everyone contributed to that collective process. Um, it's a feeling that I don't know if you can describe with words. That's why you need to show up for the next bargaining session, too. So, yeah, speaking of, the next question is, what are the next steps and how do we build power from here? The what is to be done question. <laughs> Shout out to Lynn and other cool people. So, yes, uh, Sam, do you want to start us off with what is to be done? Well, uh, <laughs> what is to be done? Um, this is a quote from Lennon. It's also <laughs> like me and Carla, my, uh, Carla and I's favorite, um, you know, quote. But um, uh, next week, um, we won't have a bargaining session, and we have something on reading day. Mm -hmm. And this is something, a tradition that the the GEO, the Graduate Employees Organization, have been doing for many years, which is a tutor in. So the plan for us is that uh, all teacher assistants, graduate students, but also if you are an expert at a language or a subject that you're not necessarily teaching, so for example, I, I can tutor Arabic, mother tongue, I can speak Swedish, I can do all of these things, I'm volunteering for those subjects, in addition to education. Um, and so you go there with all these fantastic TAs, even you don't have to be uh, a member of the GO, preferably you should be. Um, and then we go to the union, uh, Atlanta Union, and we're going to spend there the whole day. Um, and the plan is to just provide tutoring for your students and anybody who needs help. And there's going to be like a map for 
your undergrad students or your students for your class, that they know where you're sitting and they can come and get any help from you. So this, w uh, why are we doing this? Why are we offering so, many so much of our time for our students? This is to showcase our labor, that we care about our students, that we care about them achieving well, but also we we're willing to sacrifice a lot of our time for them. And this is to also to show that this is how much dedicated we are to our jobs, right? which should be reflected in how much we get paid and how mm -hmm. our payments should be, you know, at least, at least commensurate with inflation. Um, and so that's uh, one thing. Um, anything else I'm missing? Yes, so you have a very, so we also have finals as graduate workers. Is this your finals organizing sketch in the GEO? As Sam said, the reading day, on, sorry, the tutoring on reading day on December 8th. We also have this upcoming Monday, December 5th, our general members meeting. This is the meeting in which uh, we all come together as members of the union and discuss what are our next steps from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at Shannon Murray, um, located in Urbana, Oregon Street. And then, um, in addition to that, if you're still around town um, on December 15th, we're going to have a very important bargaining session after this victorious achievement that we had to see what type of agreements we can reach with the administration regarding non-discrimination the recognition clause. So stay tuned and please show up if you can. Cool. This has been an amazing episode of After Bargaining. Thank you so much, Carla and Esam, for get, sharing your thoughts and sharing your perspectives on how the session went. And hopefully we will continue to, yeah, we'll get that fair contract and it's, it's going to be great. So. Okay, well, um, Asam, so this was a very important and beautiful bargaining session. You are an amazing musician, and I say we should do a union song before we leave. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, because y'all need to start, you know, start working on those picket lines and that union chanting and whatnot. So what better way to do this um, with your favorite podcast host, um, Asam, and one of your favorite co-presidents, Carla? We love you, Nachiketa, as well, but... You know how it is.